This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director of Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Happy birthday, Katie. Oh, yeah, sure is. It was your birthday <laughs> at some point this, this weekend. This is my actual birthday right oh, now, sh- today, this day. How do I never know this for sure? <laughs> I need to actually put this in my calendar. <laughs> I saw on Instagram uh, that you were celebrating your birthday on Saturday. Yes, I had a bunch of children at a bar for my birthday. That's the only way to do it. I like to celebrate. I mean, um, <laughs> I'm sure they had a delightful they time. They did. There was a pinata at the bar, so, you know. <laughs> did, did, did they hit it or did you hit it? The children did. The children did. Was it filled with, like, small bottles of Fireball or yeah, something? It sure was. <laughs> candy. The, the kids would have Traditional loved Traditional candy. I mean, fireball is like candy. Um, well, happy birthday, Katie. Thank you. Um, and, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and sometimes birthdays hmm. on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Morgan Wallen not only has a massive debut atop the Billboard 200 Albums chart with One Thing at a Time, but all 36 songs on the album are on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, setting a new record for the most concurrent songs by a single artist on the chart. One of those songs, Last Night, climbs 5 to 1, giving Wallen his first number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100. Plus... As we said last week, I was at the Oscars on Sunday, and Keith has a lot of questions about so my night. So many questions. We have, not <laughs> talked to, we have not talked about anything Oscar at all, and I'm so, so excited. We sure haven't. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about what it was like to attend the Academy Awards for the very first time in the audience, and everything I got to see and hear at the show that viewers at home didn't get to see. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, let's do the chart chat. First up, Morgan Wallen's king of the charts this week as his new studio album, One Thing at a Time, debuts atop the Billboard 200 while he concurrently places all 36 of its songs on the Billboard Hot 100, breaking the record for the most concurrent songs on the chart by a single artist. He beats the previous record of 27, just 27, achieved the week Drake's Scorpion album debuted at number one, and then like basically all of its songs were on the chart at the same time. 
One Thing at a Time debuts with 501,000 equivalent album units earned in the United States in the week ending March 9th, according to Luminate. It's the largest week of 2023 for any album by units earned, the biggest week since Taylor Swift's Midnight's debuted with 1.578 million back in October of last year, and the largest week for a country album since Oh Hey Hurricane <laughs> Swift's Red Taylor's version opened with 604 500. That doesn't make any sense. 604,500 back in November of 2021. So a hefty 76% of One Thing at a Time's debut week total was powered by streaming activity. The set's 36 tracks collectively generated 498 million on-demand official streams in the United States in the first week. And that is the fifth largest streaming week ever for any album and the biggest ever for any country album. And just to explain a little bit better what those numbers actually mean, the, the way the chart works is you take all of the accumulated streams in a single week generated by all of the songs on an album, all of the on-demand official streams, not unofficial or programmed streams. I've now probably lost half the people listening. <laughs> and you add them all up together. So, of course, the more, the more songs you have, in theory, the more streams you can generate for an album. Just wanted to point that out. And... Is Morgan looking pretty safe for a second week at number one? I know we talked previously on the podcast about new album coming, or actually already came from Miley Cyrus this past week and twice also. It feels like Morgan's probably safe because <sighs> yeah, just, no. the streams are going to be so big. Um, I'd know. say it feels pretty safe. Um, but we'll have to see how the week shakes out. You know, I assume that uh, Morgan... Uh, Miley and Twice will probably be our top three albums next week. I just don't know what order they will be in. I could see, um, I could see Flowers jumping back to number one, maybe with Miley's release week oh, potentially. Right. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. That's the Hot 100. Not talking about the Billboard tour. I understand. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm saying that kind of like the week that SZA and Taylor Swift prize. It is a little bit of a consolation prize. SZA uh, had the number one album on Billboard 200 while Taylor Swift's Antihero remained at number one on the Hot 100 when many people thought Kill Bill might get to that point at right. some point. So, yeah, I think that maybe Flowers could come back to, to number one and Morgan gets a, another week at number one on the 200. It'll be interesting to see how the numbers eventually just sort of shake out for these three albums because Morgan's going to be streaming heavy. Miley is going to be probably a good solid blend of both streams and sales because mm -hmm. she has like four different final albums. She has a CD. I mean, actually, she doesn't really have that many different versions of the album like some artists do. She has four different vinyls a CD, a digital album, and then she has, like, two box sets. Um, unlike, say, Twice, who has, like, more than 10 different versions of the album that you can collect, which is sort of standard for K-pop. Which, well, and we'll see. But again, I can I can be more loosey-goosey than you can just talking about the charts. I feel like Twice likely will be number one on our top album sales chart, just considering how well they sell and the different variants they're offering. Yeah, they're not, like, most K-pop acts don't stream very well. Right. Um, you know, so they will be incredibly sales heavy yeah i mean there's also a way where like morgan could be number one on the 200 
Twice would be number one on top album sales, and like Miley's. and Miley could be number one on Hot 100. Hey, and everyone gets a number one on a major chart. Everyone's a winner. <laughs> um, I also want to see how, um, since we're talking about her, um, how Miley's. I, I guess we're calling it a single, uh, River. The one that has the music video. The one that has the music video that came out last Friday. I wonder how that will do on mm-hmm. the Hot 100 because um, it's getting there's a lot of chatter around the song. And uh, my personal— We're back to more Liam Hemsworth chatter, oh, right? Oh, really? With this. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not what you're referencing? No. Oh, there's like— I was just saying like people oh, were buzzing about it, saying no, like they love the song. you know what? I'm conflating two different headlines right now, actually, because mm. there was a different track uh, that came out on Endless Summer um, Vacation that people say Miley's insinuating that there was some infidelity going on in oh. her marriage. Well, I'm That's talking about a River. a different song. I'm talking about River, which I think my, my personal hot take is it's a banger. Um, <laughs> I think Not it, with a Z. Uh, I mean, <laughs> sure, we'll go with a Z. One of Miley's bangers. Um, uh, I, I, the music video is fun. Um, it's very uh, dance focused, um, very sort of sexy, and uh, yeah, it's like it's it's a uh, it's dancey poppy. Woo! To close the loop, the song that I was referencing is called "Muddy Feet." Just muddy in feet. case anyone was curious. At one point, there was a photo taken where he had muddy feet and... <laughs> the TikTok theories are going wild, as um, always. It's, all, it's, just, it's so confusing. <laughs> I'm more interested in Vanderpump Rules, if we'd like to talk about that in the podcast. But we can just... Get <laughs> You're like, no. Why don't we just move along? <laughs> my, my knowledge of the Vanderpump <laughs> empire begins and ends with, I think she was on... The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills a million years ago. Yes. Okay. No longer. No, yeah. Not no, 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 no. <laughs> Like, don't tell me more. <laughs> I don't want to know I'm, more. I'm, I'm pretty sure that she has a number of restaurants. True. As part of her sort of, like, culinary empire. A whole corner of West Hollywood owned yeah, by Vanderpump. Th- that's, uh, like, I don't really go to West Hollywood, but I'm... I'm She's in Vegas, too. She's got a couple places in Vegas. And I know that she's in Vegas. <laughs> Sorry, I want to say, like, I'm not avoiding West Hollywood. I just don't go there very often. Um, no shade and, to West Hollywood. And then secondly, um, I knew about the Vegas thing just because that her she has a Vanderpump garden of liquor outside of the Caesars Palace where we saw Adele. And now she's also in Paris. She has a, a restaurant in Paris as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. You so, know, so does Martha Stewart. <laughs> I, actually, maybe it's in, maybe it's in the Venetian. So you actually have a lot more knowledge than like someone who never has ever seen Bravo is before. She, is she have. the lady with the skinny wine? No, that's Bethany Frankel from oh, New York okay, Housewives. No, uh, uh, there's a huge scandal with the cast of Vanderpump Rules, the, her show that is about the people ostensibly who work at her restaurants, though they've graduated beyond serving at her restaurants anymore. Okay. So it took over Twitter. So I'm being facetious. Like, I, I do know everything about it, and it makes no sense to talk about it right now, but I try to work it into every conversation that I'm having in the last week. Hmm. So, but we're not going to talk there's about no it. There's no music connection here? Zero. I mean, there's a DJ involved and like a... There's a DJ? <laughs> He's like not a real DJ. He's just on the show. I think he might be upset if you said that. Oh my God, he'd be enraged <laughs> to hear me say that. He is a professional DJ. He's a working DJ. All right. We're going to move on. Um, all right. So uh, next this up... This is all for Anna, our coworker, by the way. I hope she listens. Go okay. ahead. <laughs> next up, over on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, Morgan not only gets Morgan Wallen. Remember, we're not talking about Lisa Vanderpump now. Morgan Wallen <laughs> not only gets his first number one as the One Thing at a Time track last night climbs five to one, but he also has half of the top ten. As Thought You Should Know moves 13 to 7, 
You Proof climbs 21 to 8, Think About Me debuts at number 9, and the album's title track vaults 51 to 10. Further, as we've already said a few times, all 36 songs from the album are on the Hot 100, and that's the most simultaneous songs from a single artist ever on the chart. Fun fact, because of the way the Hot 100 now works, and has basically worked since December of 1998. I'm reading ahead. Oh, my God. So since since December. <laughs> OK. All right. I'm going to go preface this <laughs> as Katie like has kittens. <laughs> since December of 1998, any uh, any song can basically effectively chart on the Hot 100, assuming it at that time either had enough airplay um, or sales to chart. Um before then, the rule was you had to have been commercially released as a physical single to purchase in stores in order to chart. Right. We Lots of songs missed the chart and never charted. No Doubts Don't Speak, The Fuji's Killing Me Softly. They never charted because they were never released as proper commercial physical singles. So in December 1998, we changed the rules and said, okay, album cuts can chart. Airplay only things can chart. Well, that then cascades over time so that in the digital era, come the iTunes store, anything that sold enough could chart. Uh, and now the, in the streaming era. In the streaming era, anything that streams enough can chart. So now we, it is regular that Taylor Swift, Drake, 21 Savage, Morgan Wallen, I'm sure the next Ariana Grande album, every track will probably appear on the chart. Yeah. It, it, now everything, everything, everywhere, all at once appears on the chart. But what is the trickle-down effect of that, Keith? What, so, <laughs> what does that mean? The trickle-down effect is Morgan now has a total of 62 entries on the Billboard Hot 100. That is now more Hot 100 hits than such artists as... Madonna, mm-hmm. the Rolling Stones, yeah. each with 57, the Beach Boys with 55, the Temptations with 53, Mariah Carey with 49, and even the King of Pop, Michael Jackson, with 51 Hot 100 hits. It just makes you want to do one of those like adjusted for inflation box office charts where it's like, what if we didn't have the commercially available rule and it was just like... The, the week that the Beach Boys, you know, Pet Sounds came out or whatever album. That's probably not a good example. But um, and and every song counted toward the chart from that album. I don't even know how you'd even begin to to consider yeah. that. But it, it's wild. Isn't this a fun job? <laughs> you know, the 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 Morgan feat this week has once again revived the chatter around, you know, Y'all let too many songs on the chart from one person at the same time. I don't know what that voice is. Um, I feel like that's not the voice that would be saying no, it either. No, it wouldn't be. <laughs> it would be someone who doesn't know Morgan's music. When So whenever whenever this happens, those kind of maybe uh, charts, people who are sort of fans of how the chart used purists. to work. Purists. Well. I mean, that's the idea, like that they think that there's something impure about this way of doing right. things. And they they would suggest, you know, only those songs that are proper singles should be on it. Now, here's the thing. What the hell is a single in exactly. 2023? Yeah, people like, just change li- the language. Like literally, li- we know back before 1998, or there was a time when the only way to buy a song was to go purchase a thing called a single. You had <laughs> to go to a store and buy a physical object with that song on it. This feels like a, a touchy point for you. <laughs> but no, when when people when people sort of yell into the wild yeah. 
about the Hot 100 and say, fix your chart. I'm like, great. What's your fix? Yeah. No, I I think, I mean, I'm a very biased observer here. I'm not on the charts team, but I work at Billboard. I feel like the chart, the chart's purpose is to measure popularity. And this week, the most popular songs in the country are every song on the Morgan Wallen album. Everyone listens to stream. Most people, can, most lots of people, tons of people listen to music through streaming services. Millions and millions and, and millions of plays happen through that. More people listened to the deep cuts on Morgan Wallen's new album than listened to a bunch of singles. Yeah. So that's what is more popular. And actually, it's more of a feat that somebody listened to track 36 on this album than it is that they listened to your single that came out, you know, five months ago I or whatever. What the actual issue here is that people aren't really addressing is the further fragmentation of yes. our sort of pop culture. culture. You know? And there was a time when you could look at the Hot 100 and most people would probably know like every song in the top 40 just because you were bombarded with it from yeah. the limited ways that you had to consume music. Exactly. Through music tele, like MTV and VH1, through radio stations. There were gatekeepers, that was and there, that was all you could listen to. Right. So yeah. now now there's sort of an unlimited tap of music that just No gatekeepers. Pour, no gate, it is just a— I mean, there are still gatekeepers. Uh, there are a little bit. I mean, a little bit. there are still people at Apple and Spotify that very much control all those playlists and the algorithms right, right. about how music is serve to you. And the same thing when you listen to radio stations and so on. But there's so much more music now that I think that there's people that yearn for a time when you looked at the chart and you're like, I know all these songs. Yeah. And I think people are reacting to, I don't know all these songs. Yeah. I'm like, that's the thing. You know, we get we just move farther and farther away as people have more and more opportunities to be able to enjoy more and more music. Yep. From we move away from that time and we move away from the monoculture. Yeah. Which is why I think we long for the moments when we all do know about something like when Miley Cyrus's flowers, flowers. captured I, I, a, a whole swath of people. It, I mean, but it, we we've now got to the point where like the number one is probably the one song that everyone knows. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, most of the time. What, what are you thinking of? Something very specific. I've I work at Billboard magazine, and there has been times that I have not known the number one song. I remember when Designers Panda, oh. like hit number one, and I was like, "What the hell is the song?" Mm. Yeah. So I guess that's that's on me. That's on. But you. I love it. I listen to it after, and it's great. <laughs> um, all right, okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Uh, let's talk about the Oscars, Katie. Sure. Um, okay, so uh, we there's nothing on our script. It Zero just, things. It just says Oscars. So, <laughs> um, and I don't really have like questions scripted out, but um, I I would like to ask a few questions. Yes. Maybe a few more um, mm -hmm. about your experience going to the Academy Awards and. All I know is that you wore a fabulous gown. Um, oh, thank you. It was sort of a blue number. Navy. Navy. A navy um, off the shoulder. Kind of looked floor length like. <laughs> it was floor length. Floor length. I felt like that was a requirement. And then there were some people that weren't in floor length. I, th I, was, I thought we were required to wear I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to say the people that were not in floor length were probably uh, maybe like sort of publicists or handlers. Maybe. Who had to like run around a lot. Maybe. And needed more movement. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but at, at what time did your day on Sunday start? Um, I arrived. I didn't arrive in, uh, to the uh, Dolby Theater until uh, 4 p.m. 
so an hour before the show began. Yeah, but when, but you had to start your your, oh, your glam I mean, I session. Went, I got my hair done at and your noon. Hair oh, you want all of this? I mean, you can you can shorten it. You can make it brief. Um, but what I will say is that I intended to leave my home at two thirty, and sure didn't because the glam took longer than expected. So I left my house at like three. 15 and I was like man I am cutting it too close they wanted the show us, starts at 5 show starts at 5 they wanted us in our seats at 445 but you know because you've been to award <laughs> shows before we're like you don't know what the parking situation oh, yeah. is going to be etc this is why I wanted to leave at 230 I wanted like to allow myself plenty of time right so I'm like freaking out a little bit because I have been to some chaotic events before and concerts and, and award shows, et cetera, that, you know, that I could have been like really in trouble mm-hmm. with that timetable. The Oscars, they gave me a parking pass and I uh, got to like they told me exactly what intersection to like approach from. Right. They said, you know, go to Sunset and Wilcox and then like go north on uh, on Wilcox and come to Hollywood Boulevard from there. Probably very obvious with people directing you. So and I just had it on my phone, the, the parking pass, and I'm showing every police officer they're letting me through barricades. I drove right up to the Dolby with zero delays whatsoever. Wow. I just drove on I drove on an empty Hollywood Boulevard. My little car just putting along on a completely ghost town Hollywood Boulevard. No pedestrians, no cars. Driving along. Because that's how well orchestrated this whole situation was. I had uh, two checkpoints I went through, like a uh, one guy checked my parking pass to make sure it was legit and then gave me a physical parking pass for my dashboard. Mm-hmm. Drove on ahead. Police checked under my car to make sure I wasn't stashing anything weird, drove on ahead. And then when I got up to the literal red carpet, a man opened my door, took my keys from me, valeted me. But you had valet? And said, pick your car up at P4 at the end of the night. Okay, wait. So, like, did everyone get valet? Everyone who had a parking pass? Like, I don't know if they gave parking passes to every human who had a ticket to the show. Okay, that is not what happened at the Grammy Awards. Uh, no, 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 it sure isn't, no, Keith. I've never experienced this in my entire life. I'm going to guess it's just because there's too many people at the Grammy Awards. Uh, maybe. Or maybe we just. I mean, not yeah, because Staples can definitely fit more than Dolby. <laughs> oh, yeah, Dolby's, for sure. Dolby's like 3,000. Staples or is an arena. So, I mean, you probably could not possibly do what they do for the, the Oscars, but it was, I mean, basically from that moment, I felt like I was on this VIP journey because, like, I drove up to. Oh, and I, by the way, I get out of the car, hand the man my keys, get my things together, and I'm stepping onto the red carpet just as Michelle Williams is as well. Wait, and Michelle she Williams was there near you? So the limo drop off was directly in front of the Dolby. So they were told a different street to approach from. Oh. So self driving approach from Wilcox. Limo's approach probably from Highland came straight up, you know, with their permits. And so she's getting dropped off as I'm stepping onto the carpet. You could see her. You could recognize her. Oh, I mean, she was from me to this wall. Okay, that's like maybe eight feet. Yeah. (laughs) And then we both had to go through the same line to like get walk into the venue. like, Like security or something. Yeah. Wow. And then, yeah. and then, okay, so when you get through <laughs> so the— So at this the, moment, I'm like, like, I'm on par with Michelle Williams in this journey right now. So they, you're going through some sort of security thing, I'm guessing, to get onto the physical car. So then, they, you know, somebody checks my ticket, somebody takes my purse and looks through it, and then I walk on through. And then, like, a, a lovely woman who was, like, my personal hype woman takes my photo. She was like, okay, do this, and giving me poses to do, taking my picture in front of an Oscar statue. And then when I uh, walk on from there, I'm on the red carpet. Oh, 
I'm walking on the red carpet, not the press side that we normally are on. Uh-huh. I'm on the literal red carpet. Uh, okay. And so at that point, I'm thinking to myself, why did I arrive so late? Because I had no idea I had this sort of access, right? I would have posted up and like... Just like hung out on the carpet. Yeah, I mean, my whole purpose, to let everyone know I was working, my purpose was to kind of gather moments you didn't see on TV. So And you, like, and you wrote a story was, about it, and I read it. I did. And so most of those were from the show, because I showed up at 4 p.m. thinking I was just going to be walking into my seat, and that was going to be my first bit of access. I should also say, because not everyone has been on a red carpet before, typically... You're credentialed for a red carpet to, you know, cover it as press or you're credentialed as talent or a wrangler or whatever. And you're on the main carpet. People who just attend the award show are typically ushered in to straight into the theater or the arena. Yeah, you don't get they to be don't on the carpet. They don't set foot on the no. carpet. So uh, my assumption was that I had a ticket. I'm going to be walking into the Dolby with my ticket. No, I was I was I got to walk. So, I walked the red carpet. So in theory, you could have just walked up to people doing interviews and like. Like, if someone were like, Katie, Katie, can we get a quick quote, quote, quote from you? Uh, no, I don't think anyone was interested in that. Could, could Tiffany Taylor from THR have interviewed well, I you? I wouldn't talk to her. See, um, you, you, literally, you literally could have done interviews. I could have. Yeah, I'm sure everyone wanted that. But, but that, but, oh, but but that my, so, so people understand, like, literally, Katie was just mingling about with a bunch of, like, A-list Oscar nominees on the carpet. And my friend who uh, is a movie writer for the AP, she her job was to roam the red carpet. So she was on the same side as I was. And she was literally the first person I saw when I walked onto the carpet, one of my best friends. I'm like, hey, Lindsay. I wasn't sure I was going to find her. And then I walk in and I was like, oh, hi. How are you? And um, so we visited and then she had to get back to work. And then I went and I said hi to Tiffany after she finished her interview with Bill Nighy. Oh, yeah, I, I saw I, a picture of that. I hung back. Oh, and wait, then I, I went I saw and said that hi to her. That you took. Yes, yeah. yes, of her interviewing him. Wow. Uh, so I said hi to her. She's like, are you like, going to the show? Like, what are you doing? Like, she was like oh, so flabbergasted. To I had not ta- oh. told her. So She's then, like, what are you doing over there exactly. on that side? And so then I and then I I made my way into the theater because I I I think I could have like lingered around, but I also wasn't sure how long it was going to take to get to where I needed to be, and right. I wanted to be like in this, my seat. Again, this is the first time Katie has ever yes. attended the Academy Awards in the audience on the carpet. Yes. You've only covered it once before in the press room, which is probably a different way of getting in there. One hundred percent. Yes. And it was everything about it from every moment from arrival to, you know, entrance to getting to my seat. Everything was just uh, impeccable. I mean, it was you saw my pictures. It was just red draped curtains and the champagne carpet and the I mean, everything was just so glam and Oscar, you know, statues everywhere. And um, so I went inside and they they handed me a program on my way in. So I have like a, you know, souvenir program from my time at the Oscars. I uh ordered a glass of champagne once I got to my mezzanine, uh, which was, you know, Brad Pitt's uh, Chateau Miramar or whatever champagne. I was like, Brad Pitt was serving (laughs) it to you? (laughs) I sure wasn't. Um, Delicious. And uh, you couldn't take your drinks into the theater, though. Oh. A small point. So I had my little champagne and then went in and took my seat. No, I was one, sitting no with, wonder they talk about how there's so many celebrities that hang out at the bar because you can't bring the yeah, liquor back inside. Ex- well, I wonder if the, you know, I wonder if you're famous, you can bring it in. They probably don't want oh. a glass to fall and oh, clink. Oh, ASAP Rocky definitely had a glass when he toasted Rihanna, Rihanna after her performance. There you go. Yeah. But wait, was he in the audience, though? I only saw pictures of him backstage. He was in the audience. Yeah, after her performance, okay. when people were applauding and standing up for her, there was a shot of him in the audience, and he had a glass he of champagne. He should be allowed to have the champagne. Yeah. But I, up in the mezzanine, not so much. 
<laughs> is the mezzanine like just in the back of the room or were you like in a sort of a balcony? I was a balcony. So there there were multiple balconies. I was basically there was one more balcony above me. So mm. I was in like the second to last balcony. Um, I mean, uh, on, on the balconies during the show, it was very obvious. Like when people when winners would call out like, hey, I want to say to the team who's oh, not, everyone was up there. There was all sorts of like teams and special effects crews. And so on one side of me, I had another reporter from Reuters. And on the other side of me, I had a nominee for best uh, documentary feature. Really? And uh, basically the representatives who were going to speak on the stage were down on the floor, probably two of them. And then the rest of the team was in my row. So you literally had an Oscar nominee sitting next Correct. to you. Correct. That's amazing. Yeah. And they were so, I mean, like, oh, I really wanted them to win. They didn't win. They were nominated for Fire Love, and it was uh, Navalny, the CNN doc that, that won. That one, yeah. Yeah, um, which was lovely and moving as well. The speech. Uh, speeches were amazing. I don't even know. What, what else do you want to know, Keith? Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm so, rambling. So um, uh, do you feel like uh, having seen the show on TV all your life mm-hmm. versus seeing it in the audience – um, did it feel like it was a better show in the room or do you feel like, you know, it's just different on TV? Better show in the room better by show far. In the room. Because I find myself when I'm watching a show like the Oscars at home, checking out like mentally. I'm, I'm also working at a laptop typically. So I was like, a, you know, a captive audience right. in, in the room. And what was most apparent to me was like the speeches you feel like because you're in the room with these people you're like really like emotionally rooting for them right like people were just crying at every speech around me and people like literally had worked on some of these projects with you know like there's a huge crew from everything everywhere all at once in my mezzanine that every time they were mentioned or referenced were freaking out and every time they won which was a lot of times a lot of times uh, they were standing the entire time during the speeches and it was like you felt like you kind of had a sport event where you were like rooting for the like everyone had their fan sections yeah you know um so it was just a more emotional experience being in the room interesting how did the musical performances uh play inside the room they were all excellent for different reasons um i mean for, you know for example like something like lady gaga's performance of hold my hand was very incredibly up close very personal very i actually intimate. haven't watched the televised version of that yet oh um it was so darkly lit like the camera was basically the, like two inches away from her well face. you know what that makes sense because it was so dark okay. during her performance like the stage was dark and you know we obviously talked about last week's show we didn't even know she was going to perform then right. they announced she wasn't and then they announced she was and um, we were right we thought yeah. you know she was i mean granted it was probably like a last minute decision on gaga's part it wasn't like they were hiding it from us but well, she did come through part of me thought because she had performed it on her chromatica ball tour like, oh, she can just, like, hop in and do a production. But she obviously did not do that version on Sunday night. It no. was it was the no makeup, you know, T-shirt and jeans uh, and Converse and, like, just the most low-key, un-pop star version of it of all time. So how did that play in the room? It was dark and it was... <laughs> it was dark. It was just so That's dark. It. it was dark. I think I took, like, a terrible video from the balcony. Like, I actually took a video that Billboard used of from Rihanna. the Rihanna performance, but with Gaga... It was just, like I couldn't even get a clear image of her because it was just so dark. It was dark and it was like very visceral. Um, and she clearly like wanted to draw the attention the way she began with that kind of speech right. that she gave. It was like she got everyone real quiet and paying attention and hanging on her every word. And, you know, I think she wanted everyone to just pay attention to the words of the song, which How- was what happened. How did the Natu Natu performance go Oh, that over? was so fun. I mean, it looked like, because uh, I did see that on TV, 
it looked like a full set when it was it just did. a video. It, just, it was just a projection. Yeah. It's amazing um, what video can do. The stage was incredible, and this is what I focused a lot on in my article, was kind of like how the machinations of the stage and how things got set up so quickly and removed so quickly. I mean, like, for the Everything Everywhere All at Once performance with uh, David Byrne and Sunlux and Stephanie Sue. They were literally under the stage. It was one of those, like, kind of toaster stages. Mm-hmm. But it was a huge—I mean, it, it support—like, the band had their full, you know, drum kit set up and everything. Um, so it was a huge chunk of the stage that they uh, made to be able to go underneath so they could set it all up without anyone seeing. Mm-hmm. I think they were really concerned with the audience in the house— also having a good experience and having the illusion remain for them as well because there was a lot we couldn't see like they they set that whole performance up under the stage and then lifted it up and all of a sudden it was there and i said my piece like the song and the movie and everything is very chaotic about it and so it kind of worked for that because it just kind of popped out of nowhere and then all of a sudden we were having this performance this wild performance you know there was if you haven't read katie's story um uh, about all the things you or things that you didn't see. Music moments. I focused on the music moments. Well, uh, th- there was a moment that I was genuinely surprised by. Um, Is it the Little Mermaid? The Little Mermaid. Yeah. When Melissa McCarthy and um, Chloe. No, ba- Halle Bailey. Halle, Halle Bailey. Yeah. I apologize. When Halle and Melissa McCarthy came out to introduce a special, like the first look at the trailer for Little Mermaid. I saw it at home. They did not show it to us in the theater. Which I'm assuming it's because it was effectively, it was a TV commercial. That's all it was. So, and there was also another moment in the show, and I didn't bring this up because it was less important, like, for the people. The people in the audience didn't seem to care as much. When they did, like, a Warner Brothers 100th anniversary thing, they didn't show that to us either. Yeah, that was very clear. Again, another— A commercial. I'm sure Warner's like, wait, Disney gets a 100-year spot? We're going to have one, too. (laughs) Um, No, but uh, people were, like, super— disappointed because everyone was so pumped to see this little mermaid trailer and like there was an audible just like oh like after and Halle Bailey I think felt really bad like did she so she had she to, had to announce it. it she explained like um what did she say they, she said well the audience at home enjoys this little mermaid trailer meet some of our nominees for like the next category and it's like what What? we were all like really god help those poor nominees (laughs) like ah don't put the camera on me (laughs) well it was like they'd done these little pre-taped videos that they showed during the commercials about the categories oh so each of the categories we got these little like so what did you get to watch during the commercial yeah they, they were just these little like produced sort of um pieces i think they were filmed at the uh, new academy museum where it was like kind of discussions about uh certain categories like and then little interview snippets with nominees and about the makeup category and the costume category and just kind of highlighting um some of the smaller categories was there general sort of like franticness during the commercial breaks of lots of like crew members running around people on stage no that's what i'm saying about jimmy kimmel no that's what i'm saying about them like maintaining the illusion for the audience in the theater it all looks very smooth and classy i brought up the things that were sort of different than what you saw at home and those things were like you know while Cara Delevingne was was announcing the performance from Diane Warren and Sophia Carson, you know, they had just a shot of Cara Delevingne on the video. And then in the background, they're rolling in a grand piano. They're bringing the spr- the string section right here. And that same stage that brought up the Everything Everywhere All at Once performance is where the choir was hiding mm. below the stage. And then they got 
raised up like during the um, performance. Hmm. So there were little things like that. But for the most part, it was like, you know, kind of like a play or a Broadway production where like you don't see a lot of the madness. So uh, after the show, you get to go to the governor's ball. Yeah. Which you just take an escalator to it. Oh, really? It's yeah, just it's inside the Yeah, it's the Dolby same... Ballroom, which is um, that's the from... Lowe's Hotel. That's why they get all the stars. Because <laughs> it's literally well, upstairs. that and that's where you get your statue engraved if you were an Oscar winner. Oh, you so, have to do it at the Governor's Ball. Yes. Mm. So literally, that's the big thing. Anybody who won that night is They're like almost required to go to the Governor's Ball. Get, I mean, not everyone has to get engraved in person, but many do. So not everyone goes to the Governor's It's kind of like, you know, do, does everyone go to the official Grammy after party? No. Does everyone go to the Governor's Ball? No. But you're, I'm like, wow, you always see like pictures of big stars there. It's like, now I know why. Yeah. Have, that's where you get your statue But like engraved. Harrison Ford was there and he didn't need mm, a, to get anything engraved, you know, on Sunday. Um, and just getting Harrison Ford to anything is probably. And I like almost rubbed like literal shoulders with him. Like that's how close I was to him like walking just walking around oh there's Harrison you should you should have rubbed shoulders <laughs> excuse me Mr. Ford um and actually when I when I came in uh I was behind Richard Dreyfus and uh his wife I believe um to go up the escalator wow and I was like oh, there's Richard Dreyfus and there were no photos of him I'm like does anyone else know that Richard Dreyfus was here because I just stood behind him on an escalator and then when I was walking into the party I realized just to my right is Guillermo del Toro holding his Oscar I was like, oh, hi. Um, And then we are walking up the stairs into the party. And when we get to the top stair, all of a sudden, the flashbulbs start going crazy because it's Guillermo del Toro with his Oscar. And I'm like right there next to his shoulder. Oh, you have to look at Getty Images to see if you're. I'm sure I photobombed somewhere because I was that close. I was like, oh, this is happening. I didn't know what to do with my face. Don't think I wasn't looking at every Getty image of the red carpet, (laughs) seeing if I could see Katie. I'm like, where is she? Where is she? I definitely am not in any red carpet photos. But Governor's Ball may be a different story because of that moment specifically. Um, and then the first people I saw when I walked up were the winners for Not To Not To. It was um, M.M. Kiravani and Chandra Bose. And so I said, can I take a quick picture of you for Billboard's, uh, you know, Instagram or whatever? And they posed. They held their Oscars for me. I took a picture, sent it off to Lucy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. What an amazing night, Katie. It was crazy. I, I, I will probably pepper you with further questions as I think about them later on throughout the day. My, my final thought is that the Academy should run everything. <laughs> like, literally every Maybe well, the, our government. The, the, like. uh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Katie's drank the, uh, the Academy Kool-Aid. I mean, after we've been to so many music award shows where it's just like just. Absolute pandemonium. Just chaos. There was not a chaotic moment Not one. I think it's something to be said for how a sort of film set and, you know, and a film production works and how everyone there are like professional on camera talent. Yep. And it's all about executing a TV show that they've all worked on before versus a bunch of like chaotic recording stars (laughs) who are just they regularly fly off the handle and you can't control them because that's sort of the beauty of these crazy music stars. They're never having to work like on a set in tandem with like a crew of hundreds of people and and costing a production millions of dollars if they don't like get the shot right. And it's usually their money because it's their music video. (laughs) Exactly. Totally. All right. so true. Okay. We are going to move on. Okay. It's time for the chart stat of the week. Okay, so this year on the Academy Awards, all five Best Original Song nominees were performed on the show. Yes. And all were performed by their familiar original performers who made their songs famous. Rihanna sang Lift Me Up, for example, and Lady Gaga sang Hold My Hand, and so forth. But 
that hasn't always been the case. No. Sometimes in the past, and frequently in the 1980s, an original song nominee would be performed by someone other than who we expected to perform the song. For example, at the 65th Oscars held on March 29th, 1993, two songs from The Bodyguard were nominated, I Have Nothing and Run To You. Both were originally performed, of course, on the soundtrack album by Whitney Houston and became Billboard Hot 100 hit songs. On the Oscars, however, Natalie Cole performed the two songs in a medley. Really? Of course, Houston had a great reason why she was absent from the show. She had just given birth to her daughter, Bobby Christina, on March 4th, just a few weeks before the Oscars. So. R.I.P. to both of them. Of the following Oscar Best Original Song performances, which didn't actually really happen. Hmm. Basically, one of these is a fabricated performance that I just made up. Did you have fun? Okay, continue. (laughs) And to keep this Billboard chart related, all of these were number one Hot 100 hits. Love it. Okay, so at the 1984 Oscars, mm-hmm. Herb Alpert and Lonnie Hall performing Maniac, a number one hit for Michael Cimbello from the movie Flashdance. Also at the 1984 Oscars, Diana Ross performing I Just Called to Say I Love You, a number one hit for Stevie Wonder from The Woman in Red. Two years later at the 1986 Oscars, Liza Minnelli performing Say You, Say Me, a number one hit for Lionel Richie from White Knights. At the 1987 Oscars, Melba Moore and Lou Rawls performing Take My Breath Away, a number one hit for Berlin from Top Gun. And your final option, at the 1988 Oscars, Little Richard performing Shakedown, a number one hit for Bob Seger from Beverly Hills Cop 2. Which of those five didn't actually happen? I've got two leading contenders. All right. Did you just Google them? No. I heard I'm, you typing. I'll, this is me typing all the answers so I wouldn't forget. Okay. So the two that, that stuck out to me are Diana Ross doing I Just Called to Say I Love You and Liza Minnelli doing Say You, Say Me just because it feels like things Keith would make up. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they involve, <laughs> they involve divas. Um, and all, the other ones would be crazy. I mean, if you made up that Take My Breath Away duo, for instance, I'd be the most <laughs> random shit of all time. So it's, it's too random, therefore it has exactly, to be true. Exactly, exactly. So I'm going to go with um, Diana. Liza Minnelli was the oh, fake. Oh, that was close. That was close. <laughs> that year, Lionel Richie did indeed sing Say oh, You, Say Me on the Oscars. <laughs> but I'm like, Liza Minnelli seems like something the Oscars Imagine would do. Imagine if it were Melba Moore. <laughs> What was it? And who else? Lou Rawls. And Lou Rawls. And it's like, yes, that's the one Keith fabricated. Um, all right. Well, there you have it. A little uh, trip down Oscar memory lane about some number one Billboard Hot 100 hits performed on the Oscars. Sometimes, well, not by the people that you expect to be hmm. performed by. All right. We've reached the end of our big show. Any parting words? Katie. Oh, man. Just really want this to be my annual gig from now on is Let's uh, make it the Oscar coverage. <laughs> once you've got in there once, you're in, yeah, I'm in forever. for life. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I should share the wealth, though, honestly. Everyone should experience this at least once. Yeah, but now <sighs> you know what will happen. You're going to get there at, like, two. Now I'll be a pro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, what songs should we go out on? One of this, uh, Maybe one of these five songs that we just mentioned? Sure. 
Like the, the the hit version. The original version, not the Melbourne Rawls <laughs> Take my breath away. All right, take it's my breath It makes sense because of the Top Gun Maverick of it all being nominated uh, on Sunday. We'll do the original Top Gun song. And pretty sure it actually also won that year oh, as well. Oh, even better. All right, see you guys next time. Bye. Take my breath Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.